Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams. Joining me today is Robbie Helene. Hello everybody. And this is episode 14,812. We've been doing this for decades. Decades. 30, like 30 years we've been doing, we've been at this. I was, you know, I was just reminiscing about this, like 30, been doing this podcast since before podcasts were podcasts. Back when podcasts were were on cassette tapes. Yeah, we were actually the first so we in, we invented the name podcast, and I remember, I remember twenty some years ago when uh, Apple came to us and said, "Hey, we uh, created this MP3 player, trying to name it. We really like the name you guys have used. Can we uh, can we borrow that for? That was a big, that was a big moment for us in our podcast. It was, and I said, "Sure, for a million dollars," and they said, "No." We have more lawyers than you was taken. I said, okay, how about a thousand dollars? And they said, no, we're just going to take it. And so I said, all right, but I want you to buy us two diet Cokes. And they said, fine. And I thrust my fist up in the air (laughs) victoriously. And that was the day that I defeated Apple. (laughs) So you go, wow, wow, wow. I don't even know where we go from that, man. <laughs> we had to bring the We've big gone ones. so far off track. I, I mean, I just thought people would like to know how things started and like like the, the early days. Now that yeah. we're kind of wrapping up this season, is this is your last week in the office? And yeah. so I thought, you know, in this moment, I thought I got to go big. Got to let's go back and reminisce about when I when David defeated Goliath <laughs> and negotiated the terms and negotiated for them to two use diet cokes, iPod, large diet cokes. So. Anyway, um, yeah, man, this is, I, I, how do I do it? I've been in denial. So yeah. people realize that this is your last week in the office here. Indeed. And it makes everybody sad. So including me. Yep. So I thought what better, what better way to, what better fodder for your last sermon to talk about than one where I talk about adultery. <laughs> Finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong Finish and strong. awkward. Yeah. That's my, that's my, that's my thing. That's my jam. So, so. yeah. So adultery. There's a Which fair... I said it was not, you said, you said that I mentioned several times and I was, I don't think I mentioned it several times. I think I had an illustration. Yeah, you had a, a couple back. of callbacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always, I always have callbacks. I mean, usually the first time is, is alarming enough. And then when you, when you yeah. call back to it, it's yeah. a little, it's a little jarring. We we were just beginning to have the just the seedling, if you will, of a conversation about why and when we use illustrations like that. What what are you thinking through? What are you processing when you're using a an illustration that that we know is going to be uncomfortable or or difficult for somebody? Um, when you're going through the writing and the planning process, what what are you thinking when you are choosing when to use something like that, or when to use something that's a little a little more mundane? Yeah, that is that is a difficult thing because I I do I value uh, a strong illustration that kind of just leaves it like pulls the veil back um, just let's us feel the weight of what's going yeah. on. I, I, I think that that's really important. I think, um, but you know, in this situation, uh, if, if people haven't listened to the sermon, now they're probably going to, cause that's, 
uh, yeah. that, that's in there. There's a hard illustration. I mean, the whole thing was about the gospel is disruptive. And, and I think, um, so one of the, there's a lot of things that enter my mind. One is I, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to use an illustration that's tougher than it needs to be. Right. So I always, right. anything that comes to my mind, I'm assessing, okay, is this, is this strong enough to make the point? Um, and is it, is it too strong? Is it unnecessarily strong? I always want to be mindful of the people that are, you know, in our congregation. I mean, obviously in any given Sunday, if you're going to use an adultery illustration, there are people who've been impacted by adultery. That's not a, it's not a light topic. It's not, that's not an illustration that I would use humor in. Right. Um, and, and I want to count the cost of that because you don't want an illustration to be distracting from the point you want it to, um, to it's make a bad point. illustration, right? A bad illustration distracts. And yeah. sometimes that's tempting because you're like, Oh, this will. So I think there's a couple temptations we try to avoid. And when, even when I'm teaching, preaching to, to students, we'll, you know, talk about this, about illustrations that you, you don't want, you want to be careful that it's not going to be actually be a distraction, which is the opposite of what an illustration is supposed to do. Um, and you also want to be mindful that you're not trying to come up with a hard transition to convince the unconvincible. Is that a word? I think so. Okay. I'll allow it. So, so what I mean by that is if somebody, if you don't want to picture the person who's hardened, yeah, who just is, is dead set against what you're going to say, you can't, you can't use an illustration that's going to jar them. It's, it's going to be the person who's already soft and listening to the spirit. And so, um, so that's where that kind of measurement of, is this strong enough to make the point? And then how far can I back this off? And it still makes the point. Is right. this a point that needs just a little nudge to the soft hearted? Cause you don't want to shame or beat down or discourage the soft hearted in there who are actually listening and, and are open and listening in the spirit. Um, but an illustration like that is typically when, okay, I know people are going to be open to this, but I, I, I want to reveal the thing for what it is. Yes. Yes. So I, so I don't want to use a hard illustration to push somebody because the person that I feel like if I need to push them, then they're not going anyway. The spirit has to take them there. Um, it's more to, uh, to kind of lay bare the, the thing that I'm talking about. In this case, it was uh, idolatry. I mean, in this case, talking about like idolatry is adultery right. it is um not just because the words sound similar but because right. that is what idolatry is um it's being unfaithful and making the point that um what we often have is people people substitute all kinds of idols that they think because they are close to christianity that makes them a better idol so you know whether it's the idol of raising a family, if I idolize my family or I idolize, um, you know, having success, you know, an economic success, or I idolize the American dream, or I idolize a political party, like whatever the case is, we often excuse our idolatry because it's very similar. It shares a lot of characteristics and we think that makes it better. And so I was just trying to make the point of, yeah, but in the end, it's still adultery. Right. And we'll use phrases like, well, it's the lesser of two evils. Right. I have to choose the lesser of two evils, right. which your illustration makes that seem super gross. Right. Yes. Like if you're saying it, you're, you're starting with the premise, I have to commit adultery. So I, 
will choose the lesser of two evils in that. And I would argue you can also not commit adultery. Correct. That would, there is a third that, option. That's a better there. option. Yeah. Um, and 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 then realizing in this situation because it's so it's difficult because you still have to function in that world. So um, you know, like if you think about in the in any of those things that I just mentioned, rejecting the idolatry of family doesn't mean I stop caring about my family. You know, rejecting the idolatry of the American dream doesn't mean I stop like you know, working a job and making money. And if I can buy a house, I buy a house. Like it doesn't rejecting the idolatry of a political party doesn't mean that I don't vote. It's just wanting to really do a heart check and, and kind of, and realize that, okay, these things in their proper place are gifts from God, but that means they are subservient to the King and the kingdom. Yes. um, And they all belong to him. The other way is trying to have a foot in each camp and and put our hope in these other things right. uh, and hope that God kind of adds to it or, you know, blesses it along the way. So that, I don't know if that answers fully the question. I think sometimes people wonder, do I just um, try to come up with hard illustrations? I really don't. Like I, I really count the cost, anything that I know is going to be shocking. And then when you do deliver it, like I tried to on Sunday, I tried to deliver it in a very soft way. So, right. The harder the illustration is, the softer I deliver it typically. Yes. Um, because it doesn't need, it does not need me yelling on top of it or, you know. Right. Because the the goal of the illustration and the goal of scripture is not to condemn. It's not to mock. It's not to shame. No. We're trying to help, as you said, like kind of lift the veil and shed some light on what is it that we're actually talking about here? Like how serious, is this thing actually serious or is it not? And so we're wanting to do that in a in a gentle way, in a loving way, in a helpful way. But sometimes that means like you have to reveal something that's really heavy or or difficult or painful, and and so we need we need a the aid of an illustration to do that, and and not to in any way diminish your creative prowess. The reality is like. That's not a unique illustration. No. Like no. 20% of the Old Testament is that, is that right, illustration. Right, right. Like, so well, it's, a, yes. it's a, a, a objectively, overtly <laughs> biblical illustration that the prophets use over and over and over again. And so you're, you're, you're not being shocking for the sake of being shocking. You're, you're doing exactly what the prophets did, which is to say, look, here's, a, here's an earthly tangible picture to help you understand what is happening spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is, that actually is another one of those points is the, the, the harder an illustration I'm going to use, like the more uh, directly related to scripture it's yes. going to be. Um, you know, we use all kinds of illustrations about all kinds of things of like, Oh, it's like when you go to pick up your kids from school and blah, 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 whatever um, to prove a lot of points. And those are great. Those, those can yeah. work really well. But if you're gonna if you're gonna bring something that is really hard to hear, then I want to have the firm footing of scripture right. and right. the prophets behind me of saying, Yeah, this is what they've been pointing out for a long time. And and that was one of those times too where I could have gone and quoted tons of Old Testament passages. Um and I probably should have, but it's the the time thing where you're like, Okay, it how is. And the reality is they are much more harsh than the way you communicated on Sunday. Right. And that's it, one of the thoughts I had was to communicate that and then kind of say, so if you think that's harsh, 
I actually am softening it because here's what Ezekiel, here's what, here's what Ezekiel says, right? And and I didn't, and I I kind of regret that. I think in hindsight, I mm. wish I would have done that, but then that means something else um, gets cut, and that's just part of the deal of preaching a sermon and yep. trusting that God is going to use it how He's going to use it. And that's right. Um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll do part two this week. I'll I'll come up with a way to work that <laughs> illustration back in there, and then be like, all right. For those of you that think I was too harsh last week. That would be pretty creative with this next yeah. this next narrative. It, it really would be. It really would be. So, yeah. So how would you have taught this passage? So this was one of those passages where I, at the beginning. and uh, that's, that's such a horrible question. Yeah. Well, here's how you did it wrong, Jay. No. I would have done it this way. Hey, instead. I got thick skin. You, um, <laughs> well, no, because I, I was frustrated with you because <laughs> you took a passage that I love. Now, in your defense, I was across the world, so yeah. it was hard for me. I would not have been able to preach that. But right. you took a passage that I love in Acts and then left me with the riot in Ephesus, which is not... I just kind of look at it and I'm like, I I don't know. I was... I was, uh, And it's so funny because sometimes if I'm just really stuck and I'm thinking, okay, what is the main point of this passage? Like, how am I going to how am I gonna preach this? And mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll go... Um, usually I go to commentaries after I've kind of written out a lot of ideas because I, I want to check, you know, yes. make sure, okay, am I in the ballpark or whatever? We've talked about that before, but sometimes if I'm really, really stuck, I'll go to the commentaries or, you know, earlier, yeah. um, not earlier in the week, but earlier in the process, because yeah. if later in the week I'm thinking, I just, I, I need some help. I need like, hmm. and I went to commentaries and they were so not helpful because they were also like, I don't know, like just... <laughs> There was a riot, and this happened. I'm like, yeah, but how do you teach that? And like, um, there's a lot of passages in Acts like that where I'm left underwhelmed by um, the commentaries, by the commentaries of like any kind of helpful stuff. And not because, in like, there's helpful things in the passage, but um, it's difficult. And so, the brainy academics typically like the like. More yes. expository passages. Right. The the do the this, don't do that. You get a good narrative in there, story, and they're like, What is what is right. happening here? I don't don't tell me a story. Just right. tell me tell me yes or no and yeah. let's move on. And that's what's happening here. It's a it's it's a it narrative. It's but a narrative. you when I said that to you, you were like, Oh, what? No, this this passage and you were all excited. So I thought maybe people would benefit. I do like this. I so this is I think this is one of the, the beauties of of team teaching is I wouldn't say, like you said all of the things I would have said, I would have just emphasized different things. Like, so you mentioned the things that I would have mentioned. Uh, I, the only thing that I would have done differently is just what, what I emphasized. So you emphasized like our our place in the mob. And I, if I were teaching it, I would have emphasized like how we view the mob, mm. like looking at the mob. So like you talked about that, you referenced that just... You reference that, and then and then camped out a little bit more on, on on us within the mob, and I would have done the reverse. I just I, when I read that, I'm so fascinated by like, and you read it, and and we can all kind of chuckle at, and nobody, you know, most people did not know why mm. they were there. Yeah, um, that just so strikes me when when we are like our contemporary, uh, uh, the context that we find ourselves in right now, like it's easy to look out and, and see like the us against them and kind of right. view the other group as a mob and kind of view all of them as equally the enemy. Like all mm-hmm. of these people are equally mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. us. And, and I'm just so fascinated by like, there's a, 
there's a handful of people in this entire city. There's a handful of people who even know why they're there. Right. And they're kind of orchestrating all this thing. And the rest of that crowd is just swept up in this cultural moment without even realizing why they're there or what they're yelling about. Right. And and I read that and it, it was just so reorienting for me to be able to take that step back and remember very few people in this culture are actually our enemy. Like actually want yes. to do the church harm or see it diminished or whatever. And the vast majority of this culture are just confused, hurting people who are right. swept up in the cultural mob and don't even know why they're supposed to be upset about the things they're upset about or why they're supposed to be supporting the things they're everyone's telling them they're supposed to support. Like it's just like can so for me I just I, I was hanging on how do I how do I view uh, the mob differently and and even though everyone is chanting you know against me you know I'm picturing those poor two dudes like who get pulled into right the theater and uh, we Stacy and I have stood in that theater we got we got oh, the wow. blessing of going to visit ancient Ephesus and that theater still exists and you can go and you can stand on the spot where those two dudes were standing and watch minions and look up at this oh. gigantic theater and see like if this thing like it says it was full yeah and it's this massive massive uh theater up like just goes up the side of this this huge hill and and thinking like picturing the entire city in there just screaming at you and how intimidating that has to be and like thinking like the you know the the equivalent now is the media social media yeah. like all these things that just feel like they're screaming pointing the finger and screaming and just realizing and most of the people don't even know why they're not supposed to like me like right so what if instead of viewing all of them as the enemy we did and you mentioned this in the sermon like mm -hmm. we saw they're being manipulated by a few and so what if instead I viewed the vast majority of the mob as like, you're more like me than unlike me. Right. And what if instead of viewing you as the enemy, I viewed you as somebody that I should meet with compassion, knowing that you're getting swept up in something that you don't even really understand. And if I met you with kindness and compassion and listened to you and, and, and responded to like your actual felt need, like then maybe you wouldn't see yourself as part of that mob anymore, which is ultimately what happens in Ephesus, right? The whole, right. like, the, there's a transformation of the city after this moment. John, the apostle John ends up moving there and is like the the uh, uh, the elder over the church in, in, in that city for a while. Like, there's a massive transformation in there. So, I don't know. I just, I, I loved that perspective of um, most of these people that we view as our enemy are not actually our enemy they don't even they're just swept up in this big cultural moment that would have been good we should we should do that we should go back and <laughs> preach that it's so funny because yeah you're right i did i definitely touched on that and that was a yeah. thing and in my mind i i wanted to also point out how often we are in that mob and yes. how often we so it's it's easy to look at other people and even if you get to that place and you say okay they yes most of those people don't know what they're talking about i was worried then about that um for people confirming right the, the people on the other side are just a bunch of fools like we're the rational people you know we we right. know we know what we're doing right. um we and just never get wanting, manipulated right and wanting to like make it try to try to point out that we are all we are all in the mob we all get swept up 
at different times. We all we all rely on the soundbite from the person that we see is in our camp. And we all, yeah. you know, I've, I've been so guilty of that over the years in theological circles, like how many times, I mean, I've looked at a, the back, like look at a book and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I don't know the author. Well, what do I do? I look on the back of all the endorsements. Now that's, mm, that's yeah. good and bad. Right. But it's like, if I don't recognize the endorsements on the back, um, then, then I'm probably, you know, then I'm, I'm more dismissive of it, right. you know, and if, or if um, there's the wrong name back there, then I'm thinking, or if there's the oh, wrong oh, name, I don't know if I can trust this. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's just so tempting to do. And, um, now some of that is, some of that is necessary, hmm. you know, like we can't possibly, like it always bothers me. I understand what people mean by it, but it always bothers me when people say like, do your own research, do your own. And I'm like, you can't, you literally cannot do all the research on all right. the things like, you know, you think about, um, you know, just whether it's medical issues or, or, or political issues or whatever, like, do you really think that what you can do in, on Google in 20 minutes is, right. is akin to, you know, somebody else spending four, 20 years right. focusing on this and <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, and, like, it isn't, it isn't at all. And you can't, and the only way you can come out of that feeling confident is if you've bought into what somebody else has said and you say right. like, Oh, well you, you find the expert who says what you kind of think might be the case. And then you say like, well, this is obvious. And like, no, it's not, you, you don't. We, so, so doing your research, like that's tough too, because you, you can't, you can't do enough. I do think, I think part of what, what can help us just slow us down a little bit is to be more open to, reading other things to just at least understand, you know, other points of view or whatever. But that's even separate from what this is, because this is, this is just pure propaganda and mob mentality, which is different than actual, um, different viewpoints. And so part of it is assessing and being able to identify. And that's probably part of what I wanted to try to do in the sermon was to say like, Hey, here are things to, that should pop up a red flag. Right. So even if this article says something that you agree with, you can still sense like this is this is propaganda and mob right. mentality. And I'm just I'm not going to cite this article. So, yes, they may make a point that I agree with, but I'm not going to cite that. I'm not going to pass it along. I'm not going to be a part of that. Like I'm going to choose I'm going to choose sources that are are yeah. more rational, you know. I had, an, I had an interesting conversation with someone this morning that you just reminded me of. That he he brought up, uh, I don't remember how he said it, but basically along the lines of you you have to be really in, really intelligent to be really wrong. Like to believe something that is super wrong, like you have to be really intelligent. And the argument, I, that's why I said I, I, I'm, I, I phrased it poorly. But Tell like me ba- more. <laughs> basically the idea is... Like if you just don't if you're if I'm just dumb, like then I'm I'm I like I don't really know anything, right? Like right. but it takes like when you get like the really kooky guy where you're like you're you're reading something or you're watching a YouTube video and you're like, Man, this is bananas. Like this crazy conspiracy is so wonky. But you have to actually mm-hmm. be a pretty intelligent person to be able to sure. follow the wrong path really well. Like you do a ton of research, but you just are doing the wrong research and you're trusting the wrong sources or whatever. But like, right. so the issue is not... And you're making connection, the wrong you're, connections. You're making tons right. of connections. Right. You're just yeah. making the wrong connections. Yeah. Right. So 
Uh, so the issue, you know, oftentimes you can say like, well, are you, the, our, our knee jerk response can be like, well, are you saying I'm dumb? Like, I can't figure out what's really true. And the reality is like, you actually have to be pretty intelligent to be super wrong about some of these things. Because sure. if you're not super intelligent, you're not even thinking about these things, right? So to follow that wrong path is is not due to a lack of intelligence. It actually requires intelligence. It just means I've made the wrong connections or I've trusted the wrong sources. Um, so in that research, I just listened to the wrong voices and assumed that what they said was was accurate when it isn't, which is why the do your own research thing is nonsense because nobody, like everybody does their own research, but then you submit that. Like before anything is published, it has to be submitted and reviewed and other people then say, well, here's what's wrong about this and this data is incorrect. And, and like that's how intelligent people actually go about research. There's, it's peer-reviewed, right? Right. Because if I do it on my own, I can make up whatever I want. And But I, you, you submit it to peer review so that someone can say, this, this source was actually like debunked. Like you shouldn't cite that one because we figured yeah. out that source is, is, is an unreliable source. But that's even changed. Like peer, peer reviews have, have become more tainted by propaganda well, and mob I'm, mentality. I'm speaking so, in, in, yes, I'm definitely yeah, in speaking theory, in, like, in, a, in, in a perfect world. Yeah, and so I think that's what makes it more um, more difficult and more challenging. And that's where I want to bring all of it back to saying at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if masks are effective or not. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. Like, and you know, and I, I pull that out because partly just oh, to gosh. get you because you think, yeah, because yeah, I keep bringing Thanks that one back. That. But I, but like, those are the kinds of things where you're just saying like, well, who do I trust? Who do I trust? It doesn't really matter. Like I, I you know, and so even unpack that a little bit. Cause that's going to be confusing to some people because in the big picture that we serve a God who has created the heavens and the earth and has, rescued us from sin and has adopted us and is preparing a place for us and has called us to live by faith in him in the midst of this world as the kingdom is already here and not yet fully realized being faithful to him is like that doesn't shift or change on whether or not masks are effective it doesn't change on whether the vaccine is effective it doesn't change on who's like the president or what laws happen or um whether like all the different things that we worry so much about at the end of the day even if you're what you're trying to figure out is like what is the truth on this it it's it doesn't matter and i i point i point to jesus i tried to illustrate this in the sermon and and i don't know if it landed or not but just thinking of putting yourself in the shoes of jesus and how often i find myself essentially thinking, yeah, well, if Jesus had to deal with this guy, then he would be totally different. No, Jesus dealt with, not only did Jesus walk the earth in a, in a very challenging time morally, let's say like there are a lot of things that were horrifying in that era, um, that we would all find horrifying regardless of what end of the political or social spectrum you're on. We would all agree that many of these things that were going on at that time were horrifying and Jesus walks in the midst of it. He right. is dealing with people who um, would mean to kill him. He's dealing with people who harm others, who completely misunderstand 
who God is and how the world works. And he perfectly knows. So you talk about like, well, I've done my research and it just drives me crazy when people are wrong. Well, Jesus created all the research. Like Jesus doesn't need it. Like he created all of it. So he is constantly surrounded by people who are wrong. Right. Always. And yet he lived his life in this particular way where he was patient and he was slow to anger. He was compassionate. He was, he was kind. He saw through all of that. He saw through the fact that what he saw were they were sheep without a shepherd. He saw them ultimately as confused and not even in a condescending way, in a way that was actually like beneath them. Like he came from underneath because he came to serve, not to be served. And so it's really striking, right? It, like it does get a little ridiculous when we're like, "Well, if Jesus had to deal with somebody as bad right. as this, Jesus was tempted by Satan himself." Yes. Like if you're talking to the Antichrist, that's still not as bad as no. talking to Jesus, like to, to the Satan, like right. Satan himself. And his response seems weirdly polite, right? Right? Like I Satan know, is tempting weird? him, and Jesus is like, "Nope." And Satan's tempting Bible says him this. with Scripture and right. with truth. Like so, right. Satan is not only like that's the so even in that situation you would look at it and be like well I did my research and what Satan quoted was true and then you end up on his side right. like well that's that's obviously you know there's just so many times in scripture where you you, you see that it's it's not about determining and how many right. times do people come to Jesus and say well who's right and Jesus almost always goes with like a third way right. of like yeah neither of you <laughs> this isn't and it's not about that it's about right. there are bigger things um, and so I think, is it important that we are, um, I think to the extent of being like responsible citizens, I think it's important that we're educated. I yeah. think it's important that we care about the things that are going on. So I, I don't, I always feel like I have to balance that. I don't want people to hear like, oh, so then we just withdraw from everything. I'm not saying that I'm saying we should be responsible, um, citizens and, to be to be able to love our neighbor well means to understand what's going on and to understand you know to the best the best of our ability yeah. in in particular situations to kind of be educated on things like um but it's it's understanding that that is all like under something that is much bigger and much more important and at the end of the day what i'm actually called to is to be faithful to god which has far more to do with how I love people than my conclusion on worldly topics. Yes. And we get that confused a lot. We think that we're that like, well, I want to be faithful to God. Therefore I need to be right and have the right conclusion on this worldly issue. And how many times does Jesus basically have to say like, you you're right about that, but you're wrong because you don't love. Right. You do not have love. And Paul says this, like you could do all of this stuff if you don't have love. We just keep coming back to that and saying it's it's far more important how you love the people that are in that debate than that you are on the right side of that debate. Right. That's that's hard for some people to hear, I think. I think it's hard like it's hard for me to hear because I enjoy being right about right. something. I like I like thinking that I have the the correct view on a on any given position and uh, mm. and in the past have been much more argumentative about that to try to convince you to that you should be on my view, uh, on my side of an issue. And so that's that can be really difficult because we we can default to the 
but are you saying it's okay then to be wrong, like to be on the sinful side of an issue as long as I'm loving people? And and I think to your point, that's where where Jesus, that's that's the question they're asking Jesus. And his right. response is always, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah, you're just asking like, the wrong because question. Because if you, if you aren't loving, then you aren't on the right side. Right. Regardless, like regardless of what your right. position is, That's if you start. aren't loving your enemy, if you aren't loving your neighbor, if you don't love right. God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, then you are on the wrong side, regardless of whatever the moral or ethical or cultural position is. Right. And so, yeah, it's 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 the first line of questioning. It's it's the same thing as when we talk about, you know, how do you choose what authors to read or, you know, to what people to listen to, um, and and I will always say, well, the the first line is the fruit of the spirit. If the person is not displaying the fruit of the spirit, don't listen to them. Like we're talking about theological, yeah. biblical issues. Like if you say, oh, I love this pastor, you know, you should listen to this sermon. If they do not display the fruit of the spirit, do not listen to them. Now, just because they display the fruit of the spirit, doesn't mean that they are speaking biblical truth. There is a second line there that, yeah, now I want to use discernment. Now that I have determined like, okay, this person is kind, they are loving, they are joyful, they are, you know, I'm seeing the fruit of the spirit. Now I can assess the content of what they have said. And similarly, I'm not saying, yeah, so are you saying as long as you're, you know, loving to people, which we interpret then as just being nice to people, as long as you're nice to people, it's okay that you're wrong. That's not, that it's just the wrong question to be asking. That's right. And I would say, you hit on it though. This is what I think is really important. So if people haven't really been, if they've checked out, hopefully they'll check back in for this. Um, that the bigger issue than being right is we want to be seen as right. And that's Correct. where ultimately the problem is. The question isn't, like where most of our problem isn't in the stances that we take. So when people say like, okay, and I'll just go ahead and use pro-life because I think that that's a pretty universal Christian point of view. Like we believe that all life is valuable and inherently valuable, regardless of what it's contributing, what that life is contributing to the world Like God creates us. And so the question is, am I, do I have to be seen as right? Or am I content to be faithful to God and to trust him in that and to continue to hold, to hold that view while I'm loving the person who disagrees with me and while I'm loving the people who are actually affected by it, or do I have to take this issue and now make it my mission that everyone agrees with me and everyone sees that I'm right? Those are two different things. Yeah. I, I think our, our yeah. pride is on display when we realize like my bigger problem is people don't see that I'm right. We're not content. Right. We're not content to feel like, okay, I feel like this is the biblical ethical viewpoint and so I'm holding this and I'm going to be faithful to God in that and my pursuit of him and my pursuit of loving others. But my, my aim is going to be to love others as I hold this view. We're not typically content with that. Yeah. It has to be added on with, and I need you to see that I'm right and that you're wrong. Correct. And, and that's when, that's when it all goes to pot because we've completely lost our focus, completely lost our aim. Now we're not able to, now we've turned, like to your point, we've turned people in the mob into our enemy. Right. So that's where in the pro-life movement, you end up looking at an 18-year-old and making them your enemy. Right. Rather A than, terrified 17-year-old girl. Right. And she's the, she's the enemy. Yeah. yeah. And she's not. Or when we talk about these gender issues, the nine-year-old who is 
asking to be called by a different pronoun is not our enemy. Right. And like, you can hold the view of like, man, I want people to know God, God knows who you are. God created you. You, you don't have to worry about that. You can, you can be figuring this out, but God created you and that is rock solid. And I can hold that view and I can want to share that with people and I can want to, but I'm going to be considering how do I love that person? But as soon as I make that person, the enemy, I now no longer can be right. Like I'm now wrong Hmm. because I've made them the enemy, which means I'm not going to love them. And as Jesus has commanded, I'm not going to be looking like wanting their restoration and wanting what's best for them and having compassion on them for being confused or being manipulated by a culture. I'm now, I've now made them the enemy and, and I can, I won't be loving to them. And in that sense, I can have the right conclusion about that. The right, but I've, I'm wrong. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if that now that probably confused things more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what they, the podcast is for. That's right. To create more confusion and questions. <laughs> yeah. To, to talk more off the cuff as we're like processing these things. <laughs> processing but, out loud. Yeah. I think that's actually why people tune in. I think that's why both of our listeners like to listen because we, we process things out loud. This is where you get the half-baked thoughts yeah. on things. Um, man, I think, I think there's so much to that. I mean, we're, we're, we're already probably winding down on time here, but that's maybe for a future podcast talking through that because the other, the other side of that coin, um, that you made me think of was when, when we, when we fear loving the enemy, when we fear demonstrating kindness, because we say, well, we don't want other people to think that we're affirming this position, this ethical stance, this cultural issue. So we don't want people to think that we're saying that that's okay. Um, and so we need to be guarded in how we love or we need to not engage at all so that we don't, um, you know, people, those people that we're concerned about what they think of us, they might think that I'm okay with this thing that I know I'm not supposed to be okay with, which we've talked about before. Like if any, the, the one who is accused most of that in all of scripture is Jesus, Right, the religious leaders saying like, "What are you okay with, sinners and drunks and tax collectors and prostitutes? Because are you saying that what they do is okay? Because you're always hanging out with them?" And Jesus' response is, "Yeah, because they're the ones who need me. They're the ones who are sick, and so a physician right. is here to heal the sick." So we misunderstand there again because we're listening to the voices, our own voice and the voices of the world rather than Jesus. Our chief concern becomes well. I, I need them to know that I'm right. I need a certain group to know that I'm right. And I need another certain group to know that I am against yes. this thing over here. Yes. And and the really unfortunate aspect of that is the only people that I'm caring about in that are other religious-y people. Because the right. person that I'm loving typically does not ever think that. Right? It's just this other group yep. that also doesn't want me to love the mob and I'm concerned about them. I just, I hear Paul's voice in Galatians. I think it is when he says like, if I was, if I was concerned about men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Like I can't be both of those things. I cannot be living for the opinion of man and living for the opinion of Christ because those things are in constant conflict with one another. And I, like, are we okay with saying, but Jesus said, we should love them, even if that means some people who are not loving that group think mm. that I'm affirming 
mm-hmm. the wrong things. That's really good. Yeah, we are afraid of of that. We're, we're actually looking for the the approval of men who don't who, don't lo- who are not honoring Jesus, God. right? Right. Who are not listening? You just to described Jesus. the the crowds that Jesus dealt with right. of like to a T, and that is what we're dealing with. And you and I have both had experiences where we have had incredible opportunities to share the gospel because people non-believers would view us as you you don't agree with me and yet you love me and so i trust you right like we have we have earned a place to be able to speak into a lot of those things because they they trust like there's a trust there because because they know and it's not because we because that is another temptation we've talked about that before the flip side is like okay well i want to be loving that means i have to condone everything that means i have to go along with all this because i don't want them to think i'm not loving the reality is if you're talking about the vast majority of people the vast majority of people that you're trying that god would call you to love and serve your disagreement with them and then loving them in the midst of that disagreement is more evidence is a stronger case for your love for them than than if you're just kind of going along with everything and um and yeah, we want to be, we obviously want to be careful of, um, you know, just ushering someone down the path of destruction because we are afraid to say something. We're afraid that maybe they'll think that, that they'll think we're not loving and remembering that the only opinion that matters about whether I'm loving or not is God's. He's right. the one who defines love because he is love. Right. And his word defines it for us. And Jesus, thank, thankfully, explicitly gives those examples in the sermon on the mount so that to to respond to that even yeah. you know and the when you look when you look at the sermon on the mount and the good samaritan it's really difficult to find the loopholes that we're always looking for and and yeah. the fears that we yeah. typically have it pretty much answers it like if you have if you have fears of any of those things read the sermon on the mount read the good samaritan and you know then then say okay is that something that Jesus would would want me being concerned about, or would he say, you know what, go ahead and um and and love that person, and if religious people who don't actually know me judge you for that, well then you are in good company, because you just named exactly how they yeah. treated Jesus, how they treated Paul, how they treated Peter. Like you're you're in great company if you are judged by relig- religious religious moralists who think the most important thing is you have all the right stances. Um, and on the flip side, if you find yourself trying to appease the, um, the other side by, by compromising what, right. And not putting your trust, like, because ultimately then you have to make a decision of, does God define what is loving or does man? And so if man tells you, well, this is what's loving. So if, does God define what truth is or does man? And so if man says, well, truth is just having the right conclusions on the right facts. Well, that's not what Jesus says. So, so I'm going to trust that. But on the flip side, man might define love in a certain way. Like love means that you let me do whatever I want. And God says, no, that's not actually what loving is. Right. right. And so do I trust God when he says, do I trust that he's more loving than, than I am or that, 
um, or do I abandon that and say, no, 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 I think the mob defines love better than God does. Mm. So it's, mm. it's, these are both intention. Yep. And honestly, all of us know, I think all of us, if we're honest, we kind of know which ditch we might have a tendency to fall into. Um, and, and the, the hope is that this is part of the reason why being in community is so important because we do kind of balance each other out. We do kind of help one another when it's helpful to me when someone brings a concern and they're like, well, aren't you worried about this? Like that can be helpful because sometimes I can be like, you know what? I do need to, maybe I do need to be a little more intentional about communicating, Hmm. you know, this truth. And, and I'm, I'm so pushing on the other side that sometimes I can forget like, Hey, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm not being like swayed by the mob and always right. trying to like position myself against this mob or against that mob. And just be like, sometimes I just got to say, well, this is, this is what it is and know that some people are going to use it for these, you know, and, and, and pervert it in this way. And yeah. some people are going to twist it and use it in that way and just be like, all right, God, you, you know, you use it. And so, um, we need people, we need people who are going to push on our, and push us out of our comfortable areas. And, um, and so that's, that's why the church exists. It's why we need to be together. That's right. Um, and so hopefully this is one of those resources that we just kind of put out there to, to help get the wheels spinning. We, um, intentionally don't reach any, um, big conclusions. This is not like a three point teaching process. Uh, obviously, obviously not polished, but if it has sparked something in you and you're wondering and you ask, you have questions now and you're thinking, okay, well then what do I do? And we especially love it when somebody says like, so what do I do? How do I love my neighbor who's in this situation? And I, I strongly disagree with like the, the way that, you know, with their point of view or the way that their, their lifestyle or whatever. And, and that goes against what I um, believe is honoring to God. And so how, how do I love them and, and still, um, point them to Jesus? Like these are the, these are the situations that we love to get into and help you walk through because the reality is God has placed you there and for a reason, and it's not an accident and avoiding it is not going to be the answer. He's put you there. So, um, your calling is definitely be faithful in that. And we want to help you uh, do that well. So if you, um, have questions, talk to us on a Sunday, email us at connect at faith um, or go to Colorado and track Robbie down. Please do. Please visit. I should have let you land the plane. If this is your last official, I don't think it's going to be your last appearance on the podcast. But no, your, surely not. Surely not. That's the through the wonders of modern technology. It will seem like I'm still in the room. I'll just be, yeah, sometimes. physically far away. Well, why don't you? Do you wanna? Do you wanna land? I just I just landed it most of the way, but now. The all right then the, then I'll put on the brakes with a. We love you. We're thankful for each of you, and until next time, grace and peace to you.